and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. I'm Melissa Zimmerman, and I'm happy that once again you have decided to join me. Or maybe this is your first time. In either case, today you are in for a treat. Uh, as you know, I introduce you to mo- some of the most amazing people in the world, and today, of course, is no different because um, God has blessed me so wonderfully. So today I have as my special guest somebody that I would consider a bonus daughter. Um, maybe I would call her a bonus daughter-in-law because I was uh, a bonus parent to her husband before she came along, but we're so happy that she's coming to the family. So uh, now I have bonus grandchildren, which are granddaughter, which is going to be accompanied by um, another grandchild soon. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And so today I want to welcome to my show, Becca Arway. Becca is the uh, worship pastor at Pathways Church in Yukon, Oklahoma. She's a mother. She's a uh, boss lady. She is out there doing all the things. And so we're going to talk about a lot of that today. So welcome to the show, Becca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So we met through your husband. Yes, who was not my husband at the time. No. He's a very cute boy. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when um, he wanted... Uh, us to meet you for the first time. Yeah, that was a big deal. It was a big deal. Alex was actually living with us. We had a little run in our life where we took in uh, 20-somethings to live with us who were part of the intern program here at Victory Church where I attend. And Alex was part of that program. And so as he uh, was going to college, you caught his fancy. Yeah, right away. Right away. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we would be with you really from the beginning of that relationship on up until today. Right, because we met, I met you guys before we could officially date. He wanted me to meet you guys. Right. Yeah. And we, of course, fell in love with you right away because what's not to love about Becca? She's amazing. Thank you. And uh, so anyway... Um, I, we love having you be part of our family. Um, we feel like you're a treasure to us. And now I want the world to know what a treasure you really are. Oh, thank you. I love being a part. <laughs> so you have, um, God has taken you down a life journey, as he does with all of us. And everybody's story is written a little bit different. Tell us a little bit about how you became a Christ follower. I always say that I basically just came out of the womb loving Jesus Um, and I never really questioned my love for Jesus or that he was real in my life until um, I actually had already graduated college before I had felt like I needed to make the choice for myself based on what was happening in my life like am I really doing this because this is just how I was raised or is this truly what I believe Um, and so my relationship with the Lord has been my whole life. Um, I remember, I actually don't even remember saying the salvation prayer. My mom always told me about that. Uh Um, But yeah, right after college, just after getting married and family situations and life happenings, um, really just had to make that real for myself. Do you feel like you grew up kind of in a sheltered world? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I remember being in high school and somebody like got pregnant in my small town school and I was like, sex? We're having sex now? I didn't even know like we could do that stuff at this point in our life. And so, and like, yeah, getting to um, college, I went to OU my freshman year and just, it was a whole new world to me, like the music and I just didn't know anything. I was so, so sheltered. (laughs) And I, and I remember walking with you through some of the transitions into what 
what was your parents' faith in a right. lot of ways into that that time when you had to decide it was your faith mm-hmm. and and you made some changes in your lifestyle when did, you yeah. when you decided it was your change when it was your faith talk can we talk about that yeah we can talk about that okay yeah um so i came from a very uh strict i guess you would call um household so we weren't allowed to wear pants we didn't get our ears pierced and um that came from my mom's side of the family and um, my mom even made some changes from her older siblings and parents because um, they didn't wear like short sleeves or cut their hair, but my mom did. And um, I remember growing up when I would like question why we did certain things, my parents would always say, you know, someday you and the Lord are going to have to come up with like your standard of living and what's right for you. But until then, <laughs> you live in our house and you're going to follow um, what we say. And so I... Yeah, I just had to get to the point where I kind of went through everything that I had been taught growing up and was like, am I just doing this because that's how I was raised or do I truly believe this? So there were some changes that came after graduating college. I I respected my parents and followed um, what they had taught us. But once I got out on my own, was paying for my own stuff, I just started making the choices and changes for myself at that point. I remember the dilemma over starting to wear pants. Oh yes, yeah, and I got my ears pierced. You and were I just wore red lipstick. She felt. She felt. I. I think in that way, in a little bit, you felt almost. You had to distinguish between what were you being rebellious, right? Yeah. Or were you? Was it okay? Mm-hmm. And yes. how did you navigate that journey? I think just having that relationship with the Lord and having that open line of communication with Him. Because sometimes I would feel bad and then I would just have a check in my spirit. Like, wait, why am I feeling bad? Is it pressure from other people or is it like the Holy Spirit convicting me right now? Mm -hmm. And so then just having a conversation with God and like reading what the Bible says about it and making those convictions real in my life. um, Yeah, I think that that just helped me navigate during that transitional time. And one of the things I loved about you as I watched you walk through that journey was even though you made some choices that were different than your parents, you always still honored them. Like when you were with them, you wore a dress. Right. And and you did those things that still honored them, especially uh, when you were with them and things like that. Cause, and I thought that was, that just says so much about your character as a person. Thank that you wouldn't just say, hey, I've made a decision to do whatever I want to do and you guys can just learn to live with it. Yeah. Um, and I think they've adjusted. They've allowed yeah. that transition mm-hmm. to be a part of who you are and accepted the the Becca that is today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The relationship now is totally different than it was three years ago. Um, and I, when my dad approached me about it, he was like, so I heard you wore pants to church the other night. And I, cause I didn't have this grand, like, Hey mom and dad, I'm going to pierce my ears and wear pants, um, conversation with them. I just kind of did it. And, uh, and dad was like, well, I don't think that's going to send you to hell. And I was like, well, I don't either. So <laughs> thank you. Um, but I was like, I, this isn't a rebellious thing. I'm not doing it out of spite or to hurt you guys, or I would have done it years ago when, you know, I had those initial questions. I would have just done it in front of your face blatantly, but, um, waiting till I was out on my own and out from their, their house, I think, um, was just the way I chose to do that. And I, and I just think God has honored that and God has blessed that in the process of that. Uh, so you graduated from college at Southwestern Christian University. 
Yes. And um, you, what people need to know about you is that you have an amazing vocal gift. Thank you. When did you start leading worship? Start leading? Um, or singing worship? Yeah, so uh, my, my mom's side of the family is a very musically gifted um, so kind of like I came out of the womb, a Christian came out singing. Um, I had my first performance at a funeral home at the age of two. Oh, wow. And so it was basically just like grown from there, um, singing solo songs at church all the time growing up and doing vocal competitions in junior high and high school. And, um, I think being at, at OU was my first like modern day worship team um, time. I was on the Chi Alpha worship group at OU and then I went to Southwestern and just did um, the worship teams there. Before then it was mostly like gospel songs at my my parents church growing up um, but yeah it's always been a part of my life in like a major major way. And you sing all the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> she sings yes. all the time. And so um, as you transitioned from that into a, um, for lack of a better term, professional um, worship leader, mm-hmm. you've worked for several churches. Yes. Um, and what has been the best thing that God has allowed you to do in that process? I think when I was at, actually serving here at Victory Church um, on the worship team. There was a summer where I was taking a break for about three months and I hated it because I'd always been a part of a worship team and um, I had actually graduated college so I wasn't singing there. So it was literally every Sunday and Wednesday night I was not doing what I had always done. And um, I was kind of bitter about it at first and then I just decided well, maybe God could teach me something. You know, like, oh, maybe <laughs> he could say something. Me, maybe. <laughs> um, and so I started taking like every single day to journal out my prayers so that I could always look back at them. And during that time, he took my heart for worship and the way that I worshiped from um, more of a performance angle. Because um, like I said, I had always done competitions growing up. And so I always had like, I have to perform this song for people to accept it. And I took that into my worship leading without realizing it. And so during those three months, he kind of broke down my heart for worship and showed me that it's not about me. It's not about what I look like and whether I look weird with my hands up a certain way or not, that's not what people are needing. And that, that doesn't make a difference. He's concerned with my heart and people will be drawn to my heart for worship more than what I look like because I never wanted to feel embarrassed and I always felt like when I was going to say anything I always had to have it like super prepared and practiced out and not just trust the leading of the Lord in those moments um and so yeah that whole three months was like a breaking down of my whole way of worshiping and so coming back on stage after that time was like like totally different and crazy and and amazing and just really has changed from the rest of my life on from that and I think you know God is not afraid of those moments for sure in fact he loves them yeah I think they're some of his favorite moments um and the Bible says that you know if if we if we lift up the Lord he'll draw all people to us 
And I think that that's what you do when you, as a worship leader, is you just exalt the Lord in your own worship, and the and God draws people into Him through that praise and through that worship. And so, um, a lot of people can look at a worship leader and think, "Oh, their life is glamorous." I mean, Becca's beautiful. She's a successful worship pastor. She has a family and a beautiful daughter, and. Uh, you know, a wonderful husband, and your life looks really pretty on the outside. <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> Very important word. And I think, but I think that people can get lost in the beauty of that right. and the kind of the glamour of, I mean, you also, you also sell um, luminous makeup. Do you still do that? And no, I'm not anymore. She's not I doing that. Oh, she, we probably should have talked Let's about that before. But she used to do that, right? I did, yes. She did that yes. for a long time. And so between, you know, the whole glamour of makeup and the glamour of worship leading mm-hmm. and the glamour of being a mom and, yeah, and all of that really stuff, good. from the outside it looks beautiful. But what I think people don't realize is that uh, in the process of that, they have you guys have everyday life, and you have had some really struggles and some real trials in your in your life, and probably in your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd just like to kind of talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so motherhood. Yes. Is amazing. It is amazing. Tell me about your. Tell me about that. Okay, so Ruby is two and a half now, and she is everything that her name you would imagine she is very loud and she has these like piercing blue eyes and she's just fun and incredible and a genius and I love getting to spend every day with her Um, and she keeps me on my toes there's like she's just a very aggressive passionate little girl um, who also makes up songs I love it and she looks just like her daddy and my mom strangely enough she looks like both of them which is kind of weird Um, but yeah, I love, love motherhood so much. Um, and I think I spoke at my church actually last Mother's Day and kind of debunked, like debunked everybody's perfect out view of me or look of me. Um, cause it kind of talked about the struggles that Alex and I have gone through, even in the short time that we've been married, which will be four years this summer. Um, We got married and then three months later found out we were pregnant. Two weeks later experienced our first miscarriage. And then that was just a full month of like the darkest depression like days because we both were also out of a job. So (laughs) um, super great timing there. Uh, And but I believe that was the Lord that allowed us to spend that time together because nobody else knew that we were even pregnant because we were waiting to share till we found out how far along we were and we never got to know that we never got to see that baby um and so we had that full month to just kind of grieve together and learn some things about how like this kind of like really stinks to do this alone um and so then a month after that we got pregnant again with ruby um and she's incredible and then right before she turned a year old we found out we were pregnant again. Um, So we were super excited because that was about the time that we had talked about getting pregnant again. Um, And then we went to our, what we thought was our eight week checkup for that baby and learned that the baby stopped growing at about six weeks and may or may not have ever had a heartbeat. Um, And that just took us completely by surprise. We knew having a miscarriage your first time was pretty common and I never imagined having to go through that again I just I 
I don't know if it was like denial or being naive or what, but I just didn't think about it. And so we went through a month of checkups each single, each week to just double check that we weren't off on our weeks and that maybe the heartbeat just wasn't there yet. Um, so that was really mentally and physically draining. Ended up having to have a DNC with that one. And then we ended up getting pregnant again about three months later. Actually, we found out we were pregnant the night of your daughter Mariah's wedding. <laughs> uh, we found out we were pregnant that night. And we found out that we were having a girl. And at 18 weeks, um, figured out by like doing an ultrasound with our friend at their home. Um, it was really Well, and you just happen cool. to have a friend who has an ultrasound at their home. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and so, and we had, we were checking for the gender and we had just found out and, um, it was the second time that we were looking that week and then like the whole, she packed up the ultrasound and everything and called everybody back into the room and sent the kids away and I just could tell something was off and um, my friend came back out of the bedroom just in tears and she she just sat down on the couch by me and told me that she couldn't find the heartbeat and so we looked again and it still wasn't there and so um, we ended up choosing to be induced instead of doing a DNC because um, like with our other two miscarriages, we didn't ever get to see those babies or hold them. And um, with Allie, who's what we named her, uh, with her being so far along, we knew we would have that opportunity. And we knew that she was technically already in heaven, but getting that opportunity to see her and hold her and, and love on her while we could um, was something that I really, really wanted as her mom. And so we went through a delivery and everything with her and a funeral and and Allie so. was how 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 many weeks was Allie when she was born um just over 18 weeks yeah and so um just talk a little bit about the process of how you navigated through that because this is now three babies that yes. you've lost that live yes. in heaven now uh -huh. now I we believe that spirits are eternal right and yeah. so um they're not lost. No, they're just yeah. not present on the earth right now. Exactly. I have one up there playing with them. Yes. And so um, I think a lot of women have experienced miscarriage. Um, and some sometimes, I don't think as, I don't think even as women, we don't do necessarily a good job of embracing the, the experience of that, the, lo the, the loss and the celebration of the life of that. And uh, so tell us a little bit about how you guys chose to navigate that process. Yeah, I mean, we, we believe from day one, like this is a human soul and, and the Lord has blessed that body with life. And so um, when we delivered, we decided that we would have a funeral and we would invite our family and our friends and celebrate um, Allie Joy. And we chose to name her Joy for a reason. And she brought so much joy coming out of a miscarriage um, getting pregnant with her, she brought so much joy in a time that we needed it. And um, I think just choosing to take that outlook. I mean, I, I don't believe that God allowed me to get pregnant with her just to take her from me. Um, one thing that has really helped me is that earth is not the goal. Right. Heaven's the goal. Absolutely. And, and we're all trying to get to heaven. And the fact that 
in three and a half years of being married, Alex and I have furthered heaven by three souls. And that is just like the most beautiful thing to me. And um, I always um, feel so close to God and the closest when I'm in worship. And um, just the last few weeks, I've just been picturing, you know, our three babies in heaven are at the feet of Jesus mm -hmm. every day worshiping him. And when I come into those moments and we as a family go into those worship moments, we are all there together and joining together in that. And I love that so much. And that's been really helpful for me. Um, and that part's beautiful. But there are also like super dark days. Um, I work from home as a worship pastor and I, my husband works out of the home. And so I am at home alone a lot of the times. And during Ruby's naps, there are times where I just sit in the bathtub and I cry. And I think that that's healing. Um, and it's important to go through all of those stages of grief, even though I've also realized the stages of grief are kind of chaotic. And it's crazy how I expected it to be you hit the first stage and then you hit the second stage and then you hit the third stage and it's nice little compact little boxes and then once you're done, you're done. And like you feel better and you're healed. And that is not how it's been for me and for those that I've talked to, that's not how it's been. And I think it's um, called the stages of grief, but you can weave in and out for however long. And people that I've talked to even sharing my story, they're like, I lost a kid 30 years ago and I still struggle some days like it's a piece of your heart and your flesh and um, I think more than moving on you just learn how to move with it and um, giving yourself grace during those times and I don't think those children in our lives um, who aren't actively present on the earth with us are just a phase that we go through right I think that they're a part of our story mm -hmm. and um, I know for me when I had a miscarriage um, I did not know the Lord like I know the Lord today. In fact, I, I had a very, I usually say people walk in all the light they have. And on that particular time in my life, I carried a pin light. You know, I knew a little bit about <laughs> yeah. God, but I didn't know a lot about God. And I knew some wrong things. And and I'm I'm a big believer. You know me, I'm a big believer in the power of your words and you have what yeah. you say. And, uh, and so during my pregnancy, I mean, like I found out I was pregnant, um, I had given birth to my first son in September and in December I found out I was pregnant again mm -hmm. and I was about to have babies that were 11 months <laughs> apart and you know at the end of your pregnancy the last thing you want to do is be right, pregnant again. again like you need a little <laughs> break before you cycle back into that place and I remember that I'd spent a lot of time saying I don't want to be pregnant I don't want anybody to talk about me being pregnant uh, my husband bless his heart gave me a maternity blouse for my back when we used to wear those back in the day, um, tells you how old I am. But anyway, he gave me a new blouse for my Christmas and I got so mad at him and I had just kind of a little temper tantrum over that. How dare you do that to me kind of thing. And he right. thought he was being nice, bless mm -hmm. his heart. And, um, and I remember walking through the place where I came under great condemnation from the enemy saying that I had cursed my baby to death mm -hmm. and I had that my baby didn't live because of the words of my mouth. And I had to really do some work with the Lord and like, how do I believe that our, that the Bible says that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And yet maybe that wasn't what caused our baby right. not to, to be alive and flourishing on the planet. And mm -hmm. so, um, so I think what is some of the best advice you've gotten as you've walked through this journey? I think 
just grace um, and time, I realized uh, during our church's 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of this year, I realized that I was not as healed over my grief for Allie as I thought that I was. Um, almost a month exactly to the day of losing Allie, um, my mom went through an insane um, sickness and hospital stay with sepsis and amputations and skin grafts and uh, multiple surgeries. And so I think I allowed myself to immerse my feelings into that because um, that's what was happening right then and there that I thought I had kind of felt okay about Allie Joy. You know, I was as okay as I thought I was going to be. Right. Um, and during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, somebody had given me a little journal about, um, or devotional about child loss. And I was like, oh, I will use this and go through the 21 days with it. And then like, that'll kind of wrap everything up. And like, <laughs> we'll just put a little bow on that and call it done. Because <laughs> I was like, I need to get through this because uh -huh. we're pregnant again. I'm 29 weeks pregnant tomorrow. And I was like, I need to be over that to be ready to be this baby's mom and like love this baby like I need to. And like day three into that book, I was so depressed and so heavy and just cried all the time. And I was like, what is happening? I thought that I was okay. And God brought to my attention, no, you were just distracted. Mm -hmm. you, you replaced all of those emotions with something else. Um, and you didn't actually address anything that was going on with Allie. Because I'm, if you know the Enneagram, I am a seven. And so I avoid conflict like the plague. And especially choosing to put myself in those situations, like doing that journal, I knew I would cry. I knew I'd have to face certain things. So that's why when I got that book in October, I waited until January to even open it. And so I met with my pastor and he was like, you keep saying that you need to get over this before you have this baby. He was like, that is not fair. That's not realistic. And you can love this precious new life while you still grieve for Allie and while you miss her. And he was like, stop putting a timeline on it. Stop putting all of these expectations on yourself and just allow yourself to, to go through it. And when you have a good day, have a good day. And when you are sad, cry. Just giving myself the freedom to kind of feel, feel it out and not feel like I have to check off any certain boxes or meet an expiration date for my grief. Right, and I love that there's no, there's no, you know, there, maybe there's not a period at the end of that sentence. Maybe right. there's not, it's not all tied up with a little bow at the end. Um, but I think, and I think everybody's journey through that's different. And, but I, as, as I've named the podcast, he doesn't waste a thing. Mm -hmm. What would you say is one of the most beautiful lessons that God has brought out of what people would uh, consider a, a dis time of despair, beauty for ashes, as it were? Yeah, I, um, I have, I said the other day, um, that God, it's not that God gave me this story, but he's allowed me, I'm meaning like he didn't just take my kids away from me so that I would have this story. Um, I'm, I said that God has given me a voice in the middle of this story and 
um, being able to come on like podcasts and talk about my situations and being able to speak at my church and and I lead a women's group and he's given me moments that I can share my ashes and and shed light and hope into somebody else's story. I think we as humans connect so much with the stories of other people and and that's how the Bible is. I think that's why podcasts do amazing because you hear other people's stories and you make a connection and I remember the first time I spoke and shared about our miscarriages um nothing to do with me but all to the glory of God five people gave their life to Christ that day That's and awesome. I I was amazed I was like what <laughs> what about that just made you want to like give your life to Christ and and I almost all of them had also experienced miscarriages and didn't have the love of God for themselves in those moments. And when they realized that he was there for them, it it just, it made a heart connection. And I think um, it's beautiful that even though our children are in heaven now, they're, they're still making a difference on this earth because of God's power to take beauty from ashes, like you're saying. What a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing yeah. that story with our listeners. And um, and I know that there are probably women who are going to hear this who maybe they'll hear it 20 years from now and they'll find it some way on, who knows. That would be amazing. But it would be amazing. Yes. And, and I'm just going to ask the Lord for that right now. <laughs> God, could you just let this hit the ears of the women who need it? Uh, so thanks for being so grateful, uh, so gracious to share your story and to, to talk about what other people might see as a... Um, just a, a kind of a failure of God to protect you and, and, and how yet God used the very events of the world to and your life to, to create something beautiful. So right. thanks for sharing that. Thanks. So um, it's kind of a hard transition, but, you know, we always, <laughs> I always love to do the fun, um, what I call rapid fire questions at the yeah, end. And it. so let's, let, let's put a smile on everybody's face at yes. the end, right? And I mean, I, I think their hearts have been tugged out and that's okay. Um, so I'm going to ask you questions. These are not deep and theological. These are just okay. rattling off the top of your head. Right off the okay. bat. Okay. So um, first of all, um, are you coffee or tea? Coffee. And is it plain or no. spiced up no, no, a little? No, no. It is, it's an iced white chocolate mocha every time. Every <laughs> it's time. always the same thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I found what I like, and I'm not going to pay $5 for something that I may or may not like. So, but, See, and there you go. It's, there's a reason behind that. Um, what's the best book you've ever read besides the Bible? Pride and Prejudice, which is one of the only other books I've read. <laughs> I am not a reader. <laughs> And I had to read that for school, so. So it, it's the only book you've read, and it's how it made, it made it to the favorite book? Yes, and I love Mr. Darcy, so. <laughs> That's super fun. Um, favorite gospel song ever? Ooh. Gospel? Uh, oh, It Is Well. Okay, love that there one, too. And um, what is a perfect Friday night for you? A perfect Friday night would include Tamashi Ramen, downtown Bricktown, and then walking around Target with my husband, <laughs> probably purchasing unnecessary things, and then snacks and Netflix at home in bed. All right. Yeah. And uh, strangest pregnancy craving? Uh, spicy pickles in a bag that are already chopped up. <laughs> Which I had this time around at the beginning, but not so much anymore. Oh, and with Ruby, I cooked an entire bag of bacon and ate all of it. 
and I have not been able to like eat bacon the same again because <laughs> it was not a good idea. <laughs> That's super funny. Um, who's teaching you the most about God right now? Um, right now, I think my pastor at Pathway actually. It not I mean not that that should be surprising, um, but I've just been learning a lot under his leadership. I learn about a lot about God and a lot about how God sees me. He's helped me accept some things that I didn't know that I could do and and just leadership characteristics and qualities that God's given me and yeah, just learning a lot through my conversations with my pastor. So in the kitchen, in the kitchen. What is one utensil you cannot live without? Ooh. Um a spatula. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do without a spatula? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's super funny. Um, and I always just like to end my podcast with the same question over and over and over again. If you could say one thing and one thing only to make Jesus famous, what would you say? I would say that he is the greatest giver of grace. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he loves you the same and he will always be your biggest supporter. He will always love you the most. That's awesome. And what better what a better way to leave the podcast than on that note. So thanks Becca for joining me on the podcast. It's been fun having you today. Uh, Thank you to the listener for hanging out with us today. I know that you've been blessed uh, as Becca shared her story. Uh, This is the time of my podcast when I ask for my trifecta of favors. First, of course, uh, if you haven't already, and maybe this is your first time to listen to the podcast, would you just uh, take a moment and hit that little subscribe button? That way all of the latest episodes will be in your feed and uh, you will meet all the amazing people that God has brought into my life. Second of all, would you give us a five-star rating on iTunes? That really helps us bubble up to the top so people can find us easier. And finally, and most importantly, and this is the biggest thing you can do for me, would you share this podcast with your friends and invite them to give it a listen? I know if you've listened to Becca's story that you have um, a desire to share the story with other people. And so I thank you for doing that in advance. Thank you for being a sharer, share, share, share. And remember, until we meet again, he doesn't waste a thing.